Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have Carrie O'Toole, who has a degree in marriage and family therapy. She's a life coach, author, speaker, and filmmaker. You have done it all, Carrie. <laughs> in more ways than one, I think. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here today. Well, thank you so much for having me, April. I am so excited about your story because you and I talked for... 15 minutes and connected right away. Yes. And I said to my husband, where was Carrie? We needed her during this whole process. We talked a little bit about your adoption story. Yes. And we talked about how you are helping other families. And, you know, this is going to be a pretty serious show. If you are struggling in your adoption, maybe you have gone through the process and it was very difficult. And then you brought home the child and it's been not what you thought it was going to be. Carrie is here to speak some wisdom and experience to us today. And she's here to help you through that. Even women we talked about suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder after the adoption. And all these things can happen and, and no one wants to talk about it because everyone wants adoption to be perfect and talk about just the joy. But Adoption Now is here to talk about all aspects, and we have to cover some really hard topics in some really dark places. So today we're going to be talking about that. Carrie, let's start with your story. Well, thanks so much, April, because I am an adoptive mom twice, and I've found that it's even hard to find places to tell my story. Mm -hmm. Because, like you said, we want to just focus on on all the good. What I've learned about adoption through my story and, and lots of other people's is that adoption starts from loss. Mm -hmm. You know, these children are not available for adoption if they haven't lost the most primary relationships that we're meant to have mm -hmm. on earth. And so their lives start in loss and grief and trauma. And we used to, there, there used to be a mindset that kids were like blank slates and you just bring them home and if there's enough love then everything will work out fine mm -hmm. but as we all know that's not always the case and so my story started with I had a, a brother I have a brother who was adopted from Vietnam when I was about seven years old really yeah and so I loved my brother and he I took him, him to show and tell when I was in second grade <laughs> And so that was always part of my family. And I remember thinking, when I grow up, I want to adopt too. So my husband and I, we talked about it even in our engagement time. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, one day, let's go to Vietnam. Well, didn't think about children for a while. And then when we started trying, we had infertility issues, had a miscarriage, which I know is familiar in this community as well. And just devastating, you know, the trauma all around with that too. Well, then we adopted our oldest son, who's going to be 25 in a couple of weeks. And right after that, found out I was pregnant. So wow. our kids are 15 months apart, felt like twins half the time. And you know, life was good. It was tough, but it was good. And when they were about seven and eight, they came to us, they kind of ganged up on us. And it's like, hey, mom and dad, we want a little brother. And I was like, guys, mom's body doesn't work so well. And they're like, ew, we don't want a baby, <laughs> duh. 
<laughs> we want a little brother, you know, ready to play. And we started thinking about it. And since the kids were seven and eight, we were like, you know, maybe if we could get a, an, a little bit older child, they'd fit right in. And wouldn't that be great? So all of a sudden, I remembered my hope and desire to go to Vietnam. And we went back to the same agency we had gone through before. They happened to be working in Vietnam. That was where they had kids. So we were matched with a little boy who was three and a half. And we went over and, and picked him up. And when we were there on our first trip with all of us, I started seeing a whole lot of like big red flags trauma mm -hmm. flags, but I didn't really understand it. This was back in 2000. So, you know, a lot of work has been done. Adoption agencies know a lot more now than they did then. But even though they know it, they don't necessarily always pass that information on to families. Because I remember them telling us our goal is to get children in families. Right. That's their goal. Well, they don't want to talk you out of it. Absolutely. So warning you is kind of that fine line of uh, will they proceed and go forward or will they back out? So many agencies just choose to say nothing. Right. Which is to me, as I've what we've lived through, it's not in the best interest of the child. Mm -hmm. Because if that child ends up coming into a home where maybe it's too much, then they now have to live with the idea that they have destroyed a family. Mm -hmm. And how is that good? So, I mean, yes, we want families for these children, but we want families that are prepared. And, and we thought we were. We went through all the state-mandated training. We, we took extra training because he was considered an older adoption. So we talked more about um, disability kinds of issues. But really what we thought they were talking about, and I don't know whether this was, I looked back, it's like, was I just naive or dense or didn't want to hear it or my blinders were up you know who knows because I think a lot of adoptive parents we do that yes. we want to believe it's not going to be us right ours is going to work out just fine yeah. God called me to this if right. God called me to this he will take care of everything and the child will be perfect yes mm -hmm. yes and so that's what we believed and so ultimately that was the decision we made was he's our child you know, we've been matched to this child. Our kids already saw him as their brother. We brought him home. And our adjustment period never ended. <laughs> it just felt like everybody talks about, you know, there's a honeymoon and we never had a honeymoon. It just started from day one. And, you know, looking back, what I recognize now was that I was being traumatized all the way through this, mm -hmm. so that I was starting to have some PTSD type symptoms. I look back now and I really have a hard time remembering mm -hmm. what happened, what was so bad, why was it, you know, and trying to explain things to other people, everybody's like, well, that's what kids do. Yeah, but you don't understand when it's 24 seven with an intensity level of 10, <sighs> And a lot of times it changes in different atmospheres. So they are very good in this environment. And so no one else sees it. And they're yes. like, this child is amazing. And then they get home and it's horrible. They're not listening. They're attacking you mm -hmm. and they're taking out all this aggression on you. And it, it's so wearing that eventually you just feel like a complete mess. Absolutely. And so this went on and on and on. And my sleep was messed up. I, I literally had to go to a psychiatrist. I thought I was going to die mm -hmm. because how long can you go without sleep? 
And after weeks and weeks of zero sleep, I was starting to, you know, my eyes hurt all the time. My cognitive functioning was lowered. We had people coming over to clean our house and bringing mm. us meals. And and yet it wasn't like it was a short-term thing, like we had a baby and we needed a little bit of help. This was ongoing. Right. So people can't help you for that long. Right. What do you do? Forever. No. Can you help me forever? Exactly. Could you act as if I have a newborn for like the next 18 years? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your son that was adopted. Was mm-hmm. he adopted at birth and was that uh, a domestic? Our older, yes, our older son was adopted at birth. We were at the hospital when he was born. We were the first ones to hold him. Really just amazing story. You know, brought him straight home. He's been our son from day one. And there was never an adjustment period other than we didn't know what we were doing. So here we are taking this. But isn't that the way it is with right, right. every child? So, yeah, and then all of a sudden bringing home this three-and-a-half-year-old, what was very interesting is that there were times when they were just a little bit older when we noticed their behaviors were very similar due to their attachment and trauma issues. And I'm sitting there looking at him going, how could this be? He, this one we adopted at birth mm-hmm. from the U.S. right here, and this one you know, was in an orphanage for three and a half years. But in some regards, oh my gosh, this is so similar. Mm -hmm. And is that abandonment issues? Yeah, and trauma, really. Recognizing that these kids, trauma impacts their brains. Mm -hmm. People don't like that word. I know. When somebody said that to me for the first time, and I adopted all my children from birth, Mm -hmm. and they said, oh, the trauma. And I'm like, they haven't gone through trauma. We were there. They were fine. Exactly. But what we don't understand as adoptive parents a lot is the utero trauma Mm -hmm. and what happens when that loss happens right away at birth. And they're used to this mother's voice. Smell, everything, and I can now see on their little faces the minute that I pick them up, Mm. they're confused. Does it mean they don't attach? Does it mean that there's not a bright future for them? Absolutely. But I can see at that minute I get there is, who are you? And wait a second. And even there's times when I've been in the hospital room with both birth mother and myself, and I'm holding Mm. the baby. She's talking, and the baby looks like, well, why are you holding me? Right. That voice over there is the one I know. I remember the therapist telling us at the very beginning with all of this, when we um, when we first held our son, it's like there's there's this, huh? Mm-hmm. Just like you said, who, what, what is this? Well, they're pre-verbal. They don't have a way to express that. They can't say, wait a minute, I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. This is sad for me. Where's my mom? You know, they're just expected. And so a lot of adoptive parents, they go into this thinking, well, you know, my kid's going to love me for all that I've done for them and all of that. And Man, so many times, you know, if you've been traumatized and then you're supposed to go there and tell the people how thankful you are for all of that, mm-hmm. they can't. They just can't. And it's sad. It's hard for moms because we want to be everything to them. We want to be their mom. Right. I think it was really hard for me to embrace that the loss was there. The loss is there with every single child. And I have to meet their needs depending on what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. I know that sometimes people right now are thinking, wait a second, don't tell me that. I just adopted a baby and I thought this was going to be a really happy podcast. And Mm -hmm. why are we talking about this? You might need this podcast later. Just enjoy your baby. Enjoy your children because you're not, don't force an issue on them. 
but it will come out if you are open and and we talk about that a lot open adoption what does that mean having the birth mother in yes but also we have an open adoption in our home because we're open people you talk about we it we talk about it and i see in my son and my daughter sometimes some reactions that maybe that's out of loss let's mm -hmm. let's just keep watching them and let's see and and really turn to people like you Carrie, and say is this normal and how do i feel about that and how do i accept their story because if i as a mom accept their story i can help them right and if i accept my story i can help them well and we lived with the more severe Mm -hmm. issues, you know, which there's all sorts of debate and whether you should even use these terms and mm -hmm. what diagnosis is it. And I don't even want to go there. But what I do want to say is there is such a thing as reactive attachment disorder. Mm -hmm. I will be the one that says it. Um, they're working now to possibly come up with a better diagnosis, which is called developmental trauma disorder. Mm. or DTD, which is much more accurate because it was trauma that happened at a developmental stage of their life. Mm -hmm. And so when your brain is, is forming and developing and then there's trauma inflicted during that time based on how um, long it lasted and how intense it was, you know, because it's one thing to have the loss of a parent. It's another thing to live with abuse or um, addictions right. or mental health issues. So when you, and some, some kids have all of those. Right. You so know? when you're talking about that scale, you have a son who, yes, you, you're seeing some behaviors of yes. loss, yes. but now you're bringing home this three and a half year old and it's, it's so severe. To the nth degree. What was he doing? <sighs> Do you see the blank look in <laughs> yeah. my eyes? That would be trauma speaking right now. You can't see that on the radio. <laughs> So I wrote this in a book, and what was funny was I literally had to hire an editor to help me with the trauma pieces. Because she's like, you're actually a pretty good writer when you're telling the good stuff and the funny stuff. But when you get to that trauma, it's like my brain shuts off. Mm -hmm. So if I can try to focus and, and pull it in for a second, I, it was, there was tons of manipulations, crazy lying, like you know, there's, I tell you, you can have a cookie after school, the cookie jars off and there's crumbs all the way over to your face, literally dripping down. Did you have a cookie? No. Why don't you believe me? I didn't have a cookie. You know, mm -hmm. it, that kind of stuff. Um, I would say gaslighting, which is mm. kind of a counseling term, but you know, that it came from an old movie where they had those gas lights mm -hmm. and the husband in this film would constantly be changing whether it was brighter or darker and then the wife would come in and say did it just get darker and he'd say no I don't know what you're talking about making her feel crazy mm -hmm. well this kind of stuff happened all the time I would say you know wait a minute I told you to wear that shirt no you didn't or you know go get that uh, you told me, I mean, it was just, I, I can't even explain mm -hmm. it. But It's not a bad day. It's constant work. 24-7. It's not fun to go on a family trip anymore because it's constantly There's going to be a rage fighting. or an outburst or something embarrassing or something um, that you literally cannot control and you don't know when it's going to happen. And it turns, like you said, if you're in front of other people. Mm -hmm. So mom starts to look crazy. Mm -hmm. And mom is pretty irritable and starts to look like this angry, um, irritable, snotty woman mm -hmm. who's kind of, and that's obviously why this child is 
behaving the way they are because look at that mom. Mm -hmm. Well, mom didn't cause this. And people, a lot of counselors don't even understand this. So they go into counseling. If they don't understand attachment and trauma, the therapist actually can do a lot more harm than good because then they get in there and triangulate with the kids because the counseling is all based, the idea of counseling is to um, build a trust relationship. Well, these kids don't trust. And they also, a lot of them don't have cause and effect thinking. Right. And, and so they go in and manipulate and triangulate between the parents and the counselor. And now counselor and little Joey or whoever, <laughs> you know, are, are teaming up on mom. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help. Right. That's happening also in many families with the husband and wife. Yes. The child is... That happened in mine. Yes. Bringing, and, and happened in mine as well. Mm-hmm. And it was very... It was such a lonely place for me as a mother. Yes. Because I wasn't parenting my other children very well no. anymore. Because now all my focus was on this one child. Mm-hmm. And my husband would come home and be like, well, he's he's great. He's cuddling me. Yeah. And and then we go into public and the, the child would act like we were beating him, throw up all over himself. And the counselor was like, just ignore him. Just don't look at him. So we would not look at this child, but he's got puke all over him. And then people would be looking at us like, "Your horrible parents, parents are horrible. Yeah. yeah. Leaving him in his I puke? was the mom in the grocery store that everybody's looking at. You know, just awful. Mm-hmm. awful and it just awful. feels like a nightmare that doesn't end. You you start to not want to wake up in the morning. You don't even want to parent your kids yes. that are, you know, that you had attached and that you guys were this one family at one moment and then a completely different family. You, you don't even know what happened to your life. And it's like you don't know who you are anymore and you mm-hmm. don't like yourself anymore. It's like I became this this woman and this mom that I never thought I would be, and I couldn't handle it. I couldn't deal with it anymore. And I had been asking for help. At one point, our therapy bills were more than our mortgage. Um, and that went on for about a year, mm-hmm. you know. And, and when it wasn't, it wasn't that the therapy went away. It just wasn't as high as our mortgage. So, you know, we were, we were doing everything we needed to be doing, and it was not working. And I, we were all seeing other our own therapists i was on medication we were doing all sorts of stuff and it just was not getting better and at one point i told my husband i said something drastic needs to happen or you're going to be a single dad and it's not that i'm leaving but i'm going to die because my body is shutting down i i don't even know how it's going to happen i don't have a diagnosis but i'm not going to make it and what was your husband saying at this time Well, I had said that many times, and finally, one time he said, I see it. I know. And I mean, I just fell apart when he finally said, I get it. Mm -hmm. I I believe you, you know, because he didn't even believe it. Mm -hmm. And after that, it was actually the very next day, we walked into this, um, a friend's store. She had been in my Bible studies, and I had actually... um, helped them with an adoption that they withdrew from because she found out she was pregnant. Um, (laughs) So they didn't go through the adoption. I walked into her store and she said, hey, guess what? I said, what? She said, we're getting ready to adopt. I said, you are? At this point, they had several little boys. I said, are you going to get your little girl? She said, no, God's made it clear. It's a boy, he's local, and he's older. And I just started to cry. And she said, you got one you want to wrap up? She was asking you to adopt your son? I think she said she, later we talked about it, when I walked in, she knew who it was. She didn't know before, 
But when I walked in that store that day, she knew. It was like God had confirmed it. Yep, that's who it is. Did she know that you were struggling? Yes. Um, So our son had been at Children's Hospital in the day psych treatment program. I would tell her, I cannot believe my child is in the psych hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's sick. This is really happening. You know, in fact, they gave us five days at the beginning. And after about day three, they said, we're going to call for an increase. And I'm like, yeah, well, good luck with insurance. And they said, we got an increase to 17 days. Wow. 17 days. Yeah. So (laughs) she knew. And so when we walked in there and, and said that, I was just like, what do you do with this? I mean, that's not what I was thinking. I just want some help. I want something to change. So really, they took him for a day, then they took him for a weekend, and then another weekend. And that kind of started to work. And we're like, well, maybe this could work out. You know, maybe he just needs to not be with us on the weekends. But his his PTSD would spike. His anxiety would get even worse when he came home. The transitions were horrible. He was doing really pretty well over there. And then she heard her oldest son and our son, they were sleeping in bunk beds over there. And she heard them talking. And her son was saying, wouldn't it be great if we were brothers? Yeah, when do you get think I can move in? And it's like we're watching our child move into another family. Oh my goodness. We have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you even process that. Because I know as a mother, it's a double-edged sword. It's relief and extreme grief because this is your child. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. We have to take a break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670KLTT.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Carrie O'Toole. She has an amazing story. She is a life coach and she's also a therapist um, and spends a lot of time helping families through trauma and helping children through trauma. And she's been sharing her story, her adoption story. She's brought two children home and had one biological. And she is really facing a very tough decision. And that is your youngest child is not fitting into the family. And it's a constant struggle. You've done everything. You've spent all the money. You have done every single thing that you could think of. And it's still not working. And this woman comes up to you and says, we're going to adopt a boy. (laughs) And you know instantly it's your boy. Well, I wasn't sure. I just started to cry. And... She's like, what can we do right now? And I said, could you just take him for a day? You know, I mean, I can't even think. My, And I didn't know at the time that I had PTSD. I actually didn't discover that until um, about three years later. And I was talking to my therapist at that time. And I said, you know, I've heard something about adoptive moms sometimes can get something called secondary PTSD. Is that what I have? And she said, oh, honey, there's nothing secondary about this. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is so funny. It's great when somebody actually diagnoses you with it because you feel less crazy. You... I mean, you don't want it. Who wants to have PTSD? Yuck. <laughs> I mean, not that you want it. No, but I hear you. Feel I feel like, you. okay. Somebody I... recognizes yes. what this is. And this has been very traumatic for me. And so your son has been spending time with this new family, and it seems like it's a good match. And we talked a little bit on the break, you know, when we went through this, we fostered a little boy. We wanted to keep him, and our whole life was upside down. He had severe reactive attachment disorder. You and I actually used the same therapist. Yes. And um, he had said <laughs> to us, sometimes it's the second family that they attach with. You're the first family that took him out of the trauma, and he's going to be most mad at you, mm -hmm. but it's the second family that he will attach to. And I felt like that was really unfair. Well, yeah, life is sometimes. Yeah, isn't it? In fact, I went over and got that's him. That's how I started my book is that life is not fair, you know, mm -hmm. darn. So, yeah, what we learned, our, we, we parented for eight years. And so this was not like we gave it a shot for three months and decided it was too hard. We parented for eight years. And then even after he started spending time over there, that was a couple of months. And then we gave guardianship. And that lasted for another year before we actually went to court and we had to relinquish our parental rights. So we went to court and sat in front of a judge who said to us, do you understand that you are giving up your parental rights? That means you have no say. He will no longer be your child. Are you telling us that you cannot adequately, adequately parent this child? <sighs> What a painful experience, the whole thing. Yes, Judge, and we're sobbing. And then their lawyer, so they were in the court too because we did not want to relinquish to the state. Mm -hmm. they, were going, they were adopting him at the same moment, so he would never be an orphan. Um, but their lawyer was asking us questions, you know, well, have you tried this and have you tried, yes, we've tried, yes, yes. And finally the judge said, enough. He said, do you know how many cases we have in here where the parents are abusing a child and we have to take the parental rights away? He said, this is two couples coming together trying to figure out what is best for a child. Mm -hmm. He's not thriving in their home. Mm -hmm. And he had gone through some counseling at this point because he was 12. And in the state of Colorado, 12-year-olds get a say in where they live in custody issues. And the, the therapist asked him, where do you want to live? And he said, here. And they said, why? And he said, it wasn't because, like, they're my family and I love them. And it, he said, I feel a little less anxious here. Where's here? With you? At, no, at his new family. His new. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's the PTSD. That's right. the attachment. That's the trauma. He's just trying to find a place he doesn't feel triggered all the time. And, and what we recognized happened in our family is that parenting a traumatized child is traumatizing. And so he came in loaded to bear with trauma. Mm -hmm. And then it traumatized the rest of us. And so then, you know, when one person walks into a room and, and says or does something that triggers someone else, it's like, boom, 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 boom. You just can see the trauma like bouncing from one person to the other. This one gets triggered, which then their trigger triggers this person. And how do you calm that down right. when everybody's still living it? Right. So after he was gone, I went through a deep depression. It was bad. Well, because you love him. Oh, my gosh. I felt like my right arm had been mm -hmm. amputated. 
and I was supposed to just go on living. Mm -hmm. And then not only that, we were judged mm -hmm. harshly right. through our church. We lost our small group. I lost a lot of family members. We lost a lot of friends. Um, I just didn't even want to go outside. It was just awful because he was with me everywhere I went. So all of a sudden, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And what do you say about that? It took me a long time to just get better at talking about it and being able to and figuring out who I wanted to talk to and who I didn't owe anything to. And mm -hmm. so I just didn't go places for a long time. And I had been a speaker. <laughs> I couldn't speak without weeping. I, I didn't want to go places. I didn't want to tell this story. So a lot of my life just kind of came inside and went inward, you know. It was a very, very trying couple of years, um, you know, which was so difficult for the other kids because mm. now they've lost a sibling and there's guilt about that on their parts and they're traumatized. And so, I mean, the recovery from this was very um, difficult. And so what I decided at one point was I want, I still wanted to understand this attachment and trauma stuff. So I went back to grad school and got my degree and every paper I wrote was focused on attachment, early childhood trauma, how it impacts the brain, how it impacts families. And I found there's not that much out there. <laughs> so I was writing some of it, just trying to figure it out. And after I graduated, I, I got my certification to be a life coach so that I could help other families that are in this specific situation. And it's broadened from there a little bit. And I've gotten more and more training on trauma and PTSD and, and how to help somebody with that and how to help people rebuild their lives after such horrendous grief and right. loss and trauma. So I, I work with clients both in my home and on the phone, and uh, lots of them are from all over the country. They're actually not too many local. Most of it is just phone stuff with people who find me on Facebook or whatever, because I'm in a bunch of parenting groups there, and they, they know I'm the one. <laughs> oh, she's the one who relinquished, you know. Right. And it's not like you're helping people relinquish. No. You're helping people through the adoption process. And what is best for the child? That is what I think is so misunderstood about your story and about relinquishment or adoptions that fall through and they don't work out is that all of us parents were trying to do what's best for the child right and this is not working we've tried everything believe me we're exhausted and we we have run out of money we've run out of resources You've and we have options. other children that need to be taken care of and so if the next step is placing a child with another family I'm already beating myself up enough. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do that on the oh, outside. Just absolutely. love me and know that my heart is breaking and in the right place. Yeah. And you know what, what was so painful to me was people who used to think I was a great mom and a loving person. It's like, how all of a sudden do you think that I would just do this? Mm -hmm. Why would you think that about me? Why won't you even take the time to, to ask me the questions? You know, I mean, it was it was the worst thing I have ever gone through in my life. And it's it's actually framed my entire life. It's what my life is about now. And, you know, I don't want to be known for that. But I've had several clients who have called me and they've even said, I almost don't want to see you because I'm scared that that's where it's going to take me. And I said, you know what, sometimes when you just know what options are out there and that you don't feel trapped and that you are choosing to make this decision mm -hmm. every day, 
you can do it. And so I'm going to help you get the help that you need. We're going to get you some respite. We're going to get you some treatment for your PTSD so that you're not, and we're going to set some boundaries so that that child cannot physically harm you. Mm-hmm. That child cannot emotionally sabotage your family. We're going to set some boundaries so that that child can stay in your home. That's the whole point. But if it go, comes to it, I will walk through wherever you have to go because I walked it by myself. Mm-hmm. And it was so devastatingly lonely. Mm-hmm. It was just awful. So I never want anybody else to go through that. Another thing that I have developed, and I just did a, a retreat a couple of weeks ago, I had 10 parents come in. Um, I live in Castle Rock. They came to our house, stayed in hotels, and we ran a retreat for uh, three, four days. And my husband had never even been to one of these. I've done several of them. And he said, I don't want to participate. I just want to come and I'll be a support to you. Okay. So anyway, he came and the first night I just said, you know, tell us who you are, where you live. They're from all over the country. And this child that we're talking about, where are they now? And so everybody went around and and shared and they got to my husband and he started to cry. Mm. And he said, you know, she's been doing this all these years and knows all, all your stories. I've never been in a room with anybody else who's ever gone through what I've been through. So I thought I was alone. Wow. It's important to also reach out to the fathers. You know, my husband struggled so much and we started to struggle separately Mm -hmm. because we had never been faced with this kind of trauma before. And we were already ripped apart because Mm -hmm. the child had separated us. And so we did everything separate all of a sudden. He took the child and I had the other two or vice versa. We never went out to eat as a family anymore. We never went to um, outings as far as my kids played sports. We never went to that anymore. And so we were already separated on a different page. And so when the child went to another family, we were both devastated and grieved. Like you said, you're you're missing something so deep. And we, he shut down and I cried all the time. Well, and my husband felt like he had to make a choice between his wife and his child. Yes. And we learned from many of the other men at this retreat, they all felt that way. And many of them, I think all of them, considered taking the child and moving into an apartment to yes. keep the family together. Yes. And we, we talked about we that. We talked about that as well. And maybe just for a certain time, mm-hmm. he would live separately. That is so crazy. Mm-hmm. And everybody's coming up with these ideas on their own. And it's the same ideas everybody else has come up with, but nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. So every couple going through this thinks they're the only ones. And they're not. So that's one of my messages is that people who are living in trauma and they're dealing with really complex grief, and this is complex PTSD, it's not just PTSD, like from a one incident episode, say a car crash or something like that. I'm not minimizing that by any means because that you need to work through that and there's treatment, but complex PTSD where it's ongoing, it's very similar to domestic violence because your home is where the trauma is taking place. It's not like it happens at work or outside and then you come home and you're safe. You're not safe in your own home. Mm-hmm. And that's complex and it's very difficult to deal with. So many times I just sit with my clients and reassure them that this is a crazy disorder. You are not crazy. You're living amongst crazy circumstances that look very upside down and you've gotten so used to it. You don't even realize it's not normal anymore. Right. You think it's normal. How is your son doing now that he was placed in another family? Well, I don't want to get too much into his life in case anybody... 
Well, how did he do I, when no, he was first place? He he did much better than here. Um, he he improved a lot in like he had been in I can't remember ten hours maybe of special ed and immediately was reduced down to like two. And I was like, how did that happen over a summer? Like he just got so much better. I think it was just the relief. You know, they had younger children. He was, you know, they always say you should place a child as the youngest, which is what we did. Mm -hmm. For some reason, he did much better being the oldest interesting. in that family. And I think part of it, this is interesting. So he had, he had little brothers that were uh, toddlers when he moved in. Um, they were still getting bottle fed. And mom would have him feed one of the babies. And what we recognized was he never got that. Mm-hmm. He never got to sit and rock and feed. So he got some of that. And then he was down on the floor crawling, which he never crawled. He was, you know, he had all these opportunities to kind of back up and redo some developmental stuff that he missed. And so, I don't know, I think it helped. He still has some issues. He's actually somewhat back in our lives on very limited basis on his terms. And it's, you know, we're not parents. He calls us by our first names. But he reached, you know, Mother's Day was this weekend. He sent me a message. Happy Mother's Day. Wow. How did your other two kids do when he left the home? They both hit some pretty heavy depression. Um, I did not realize that they were afraid that if they behaved poorly, they may get sent away. So that's one thing I talk through with my clients. You know, if anybody is going through this, I try to help them so that they can help their children. Mm -hmm. So they don't, you know, have more things that they have to go back and repair later. Um, You know, it's been tough. Um, My daughter got married a couple years ago. And when she, she was not like big into dating. So when she first had her first date with her now husband, she told him this story. And she said, I just need to know if you're going to run. Mm-hmm. Because this is, this is my life. And if you can't handle it, I'm not interested in just casual dating. And, you know, if you want to have a relationship, I'm interested. But if you can't handle this, bye-bye. And then he shared some of his stuff. And so they went, like, deep instantly. Mm-hmm. But it was good because that's where their marriage was formed. I think that something like this does open doors for other people to talk to you. Because when you have an experience where you've tried everything and it still doesn't work, you've prayed. We brought the whole church over. I mean, everything. And A plus B doesn't equal C. And it falls apart. He had never had that happen. Well, you get much less judgmental. Yes. You get much more compassionate and and empathetic. You don't scowl at the people in the restaurants and the grocery store with the misbehaving kids anymore. Sometimes I I do get a little tricked triggered, excuse me, my PTSD sometimes when I see somebody acting like that, and I almost have to walk away, but it's not like I'm disgusted with the mom. I'm like, oh, you poor mom, can I help you? Can I carry your bags? You know, but sometimes I can't handle it if it's if it impacts me. When the kids are littler, they do have the opportunity to heal. I know the little guy that we had, um, where, you know, the agency had said, you know, we we cannot go through with this. We cannot finalize this. This is so terrible for your other children. We really want you to place with a family who has older children, like you said. And so when the family came to get him, um, they worked with him for several 
months, years, and he has finally attached and he's healed. So there is hope for you. I want to say that. And also for mothers, you can heal from post-traumatic stress disorder. It's a process. I have very few triggers anymore. I mean, and you know, them, and I know what they are and I know how to deal with them and I know what it is. So I have compassion for myself and I just go, okay, well, that's what that is. That's why my heart's racing. Okay. That's not a big deal. And I can talk myself down now where I couldn't before. Yeah, so there is definitely healing. There is hope. Um, can I throw out a couple of resources that I have Absolutely. for people? So my book is called Relinquished, When Love Means Letting Go. And you can get that either on Amazon or my website, which is just carryotool.com. And then also my older son is a filmmaker. And when, when I wrote my book, we found out from two other families that they had been through the same agency. We went to the same orphanage. Our kids were in the same room. And it was 14 years later, and none of the kids were still at home. Wow. Due to attachment issues. And my son said, Mom, we have to tell this story. So we, I produced a documentary film that's called Forfeiting Sanity. And it's these three families and their stories. And it's a great resource for people who feel like they're alone and going crazy. Mm -hmm. But it's also a great resource for family members and friends so that they can understand. Because like we've talked about, the kids act differently in front of everybody else. And to hear three other families, unrelated, all sharing very similar stories, you can watch. It's really an interesting film. It's heartbreaking. But it's really done well, and I'm not just saying that because I did it. it I mean, I, <laughs> I would recommend this. It's a great film. And so I have those two resources. And then I've also got a YouTube channel that's Carrie O'Toole Ministries. And it's not all about adoption and attachment, I, but I have several different therapists that I do some interviews with about at- attachment and adoption and parents who have struggled. And I've got one on there that's been viewed lots of times, thousands and thousands of times with a a man who had reactive attachment disorder. He's now in his 40s and has a family. And him, I was able to talk to him. It felt like I was interviewing my son, but a little bit more healed and maybe with some insight. And I could just say, why did you, you know, when I'd give you a gift, why would you not open it? And you'd just either destroy it or, or just not even open the package. You know, and he, he told me he could right. answer. I will post all those links yeah. on uh, my Facebook. And I'll also post uh, a picture of you, Oh, of course, <laughs> and your family. Um, people always want to know, who, who, is, who this is this person? Yes. And I, I just think that this is so, so mind-blowing. I do want to say that if you're listening and you're in the process of adopting, this is something that you just put in your back pocket. I do want to say we have seen many, many families go overseas or adopt through the foster care system and their children attach immediately. There's something in them that's totally different than what we're talking about right now. And if I had not seen this child that we had in our own home, I might look at you, Carrie, and be like, yeah, but I mean, Oh, I would have too. Because I couldn't believe, and even on this 18-month-old little guy, I couldn't believe what he was doing and the manipulation and control until I saw it with my own eyes. That's and survival. Now, surviving. Mm-hmm. And so now my heart is so compassionate when I see parents struggling mm-hmm. through it, and I want to give them the resources through you. And, yeah, through- and please, if you, if you know other friends who are struggling and you're not, it doesn't, you don't have to be the one that they come to, but don't be the one that piles on. They've got enough. 
Yes. Just say nothing because it's really hard to understand. And the parent is probably trying to put boundaries on the child that we would not ever do to a child that was already attached. Mm -hmm. But they have a system that they're trying to work through right now. And I have learned that I just love them and mm -hmm. just encourage them. Mm -hmm. And we are parenting all all different types of children as adoptive parents and as biological But I want to say we tried every philosophical, mm. um, we tried every um, therapeutic method that we could. We tried oils. We tried different, you know, this is, we tried diet. We, we did sensory. We did all of this stuff. We did OT and PT and every other kind of tea. This is not like, oh, well, if they had only known about this. Right, right. We and another know. family that's going through this exact story right now is going to get help and they understand. Oh. And for those of you that are in the process of adoption, we encourage you um, yes, to get bless the help you. Yes, that you need. And your child, I mean, I just did an interview and they brought a four-year-old home and I was so nervous, right? Because after you go through this, you start to feel like everybody's going to have right. this, every child. They brought this little guy home and he is attached instantly and he is a joy to be around he is obedient he is loving and so i have to say it's it doesn't yeah. happen to everyone well, and i want to say also sometimes i feel like i people might think i'm anti-adoption and then my other son goes uh hello mom right i'm uh, adopted and i'm pretty successful here you know <laughs> right right thank you so much for being on thank you for having me don't forget to like adoption now on facebook and remember all of our podcasts are available on itunes thanks for tuning into adoption now i'm your host april fallon see you next week Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.